You're listening to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. If you're looking for some encouragement, words of hope, and maybe a laugh or two, that's exactly what Richard wants to share with you today. We know life can get pretty busy and complicated, so we're truly grateful you've chosen to take a break and listen to the program. Now, if you're not able to hang out with us for the entire program, you can always pick it back up at our website, richardellistalks.com. In fact, you can find all of Richard's talks right there waiting just for you, richardellistalks.com. So, with today's talk, here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Heart Attack. Never had one, don't really want to have one. Obviously, if you've ever had a heart attack, anybody ever had a heart attack in here? Supposedly, you feel a pain in your chest, goes down your arm possibly, very painful. People say having a baby is easier than having a heart attack if they've ever had both. Turn to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. You're six chapters in in the Old Testament, Genesis 6, obviously, and it says in verse 1, Now it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. So, so far, so good. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. There were giants on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old, women of renown. Then the Lord saw, and look how fast this happens. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So God makes man, sin kicks in, and within six chapters, it is a catastrophic disaster. And it is so bad that look what goes on. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. Because of what was going on in the hearts of the people he had made, now he's grieved in his heart, and what it says is, I wish I had never made him. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping things and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. Now what some people say is, well, but God ended up saving the animals. Originally, what he felt was, I'm getting rid of everybody, everything, all of it. I'm wiping them out. And then this amazing verse, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. One guy found grace in the eyes of the Lord, and God ends up picking Noah and his family to build a boat, which he changed his mind on the animals, wipes out all the people, ends up saving all the animals, and starts all over, basically, with Noah, his wife, his kids, which they turned out in some ways to be a disaster as well. Now, what happens to us? And where does this stuff come from? You say, well, I think the wrong things, and that's why, you know, as a man thinketh, so is he. But there is stuff that gets down inside your heart. Now, does everybody kind of know what your heart is? Do we know what we're talking about with a heart? You know you're thinking about something, that's one thing. But your heart is where you feel stuff, where you get passionate. And we say things to husbands and wives, boyfriends, things you start feeling, and we get broken hearts, we get our feelings hurt. Where are those feelings? My feelings aren't up here in my head, they are down here inside of me. And the things I can remember, you know, going through dating and as a little kid, and then, you know, you get married, you got stuff, and then watching my own girls interact, and the heart stuff, 
that just messes us up. Well, if your heart is corrupt, if it's bad stuff going on in your heart, then what comes out of that, and we'll read some verses in a minute to this effect, it can be disastrous in our lives. So the enemy attacks your heart, comes after your heart, trying to destroy your life. Now go to Psalm chapter 53, and these are going to be rapid fire. We'll get to one over in Proverbs. It'll be a few verses, but you're going to have to get ready to turn some pages. Psalm 53. And it's very interesting, just the first line, the first verse is all we're after here. It says, the fool has said where? In his heart, what? There is no God. The fool doesn't say it in his brain. It's when it drops into your heart. You say, well, I think there's no God. But when you decide that's what you believe deep down in your heart, now you're a fool. A lot of people think there's no God and struggle with that. But the difference from your brain to your heart is where you get in trouble. Because whatever you actually believe deep down inside of you, that's what you act on or don't act on in your life. So the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt and have done abominable iniquity. There is none who does good. Go to Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23. A few pages over. Proverbs 4, and then we're going to do a bunch in Proverbs, so, and I'm not doing all these. If you do a study just on the word heart, there's like 700-something places in the Bible that the word heart is used, not variations of it, just literally the word heart. Big verse, Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all diligence. Why? For out of it spring the issues of life. So if your heart is not right, and we use these terms, well, my heart's just not right on this, so it's creating problems. That is the problem. Your heart is not right, and out of your heart spring the issues of life. We say these things all the time. I've got to check my heart. I've got to examine my heart. I've got to look inside my heart and see what's there and let God show me what's really going on. If there's hatred, there's bitterness, there's unforgiveness, whatever there might be. Go to Proverbs 7.25. And this chapter, I don't have time to read the whole thing, it's warning men about what we call in my house, homewreckers. So this passage talks about, do not let your heart turn aside, talking about this kind of woman, to her ways, do not stray into her paths. Guard your heart. Now, I haven't examined this completely, but I'm going to tell you what I think happens to men when these women come along. And women think they're being flirtatious and thinking, oh, I was just having fun. I just thought he was cute and he thought I was cute and I just want to be cute. If a man's heart begins to stray, either it's because there's not much going on there in the relationship between he and his wife. And so he is empty. And when he spots someone, what a woman comes along and does is pay him attention. You're at the office and, oh, Mr. So-and-so, you're so nice. And if you ever want to go to lunch sometime, we go to lunch, you know. <laughs> you know, but these girls come across, the guy's got stress and he's got responsibility, he's got a wife, he's got family, he's got all this going on, and someone comes up and does what? Appeals to his heart. And the same thing happens with women. Her husband's not attentive, he's not, you know, taking care of her, doing what he's supposed to be doing at home, and some man comes along who knows how to play that harp. And says, hey, how are you? What's up, babe? You know, why are you looking fine today? And so you say, well, how does this happen? How does these two people that are married and seem happy, and all of a sudden this guy's in the sack over here with this woman, and what happened? Something was going on in their heart. Now, your body needs your brain to function, but if your heart doesn't jump in, there has to be an empty tank somewhere. Now, you say, well, I'm doing everything I can for my man to keep him at home. He's just got problems, that's possible too. But ladies, think about what you're doing with your man to keep him home. 
Why does he want to come home instead of go home with her? And the same thing is on the reverse. You guys say, well, I think my wife's hot and she's being noticed. And because we don't want someone else thinking that and saying that about our family, about our kids, about our wife. So what are you guys doing to keep her coming home? Right? Why would she come to your house with you there? Well, you sound pretty fast on the remote. You know, I'm, you know, (laughs) we don't have to watch the same thing all the time. And she gets to bring me stuff, you know, in my chair. I mean, what else does she want? Wow. All right. Proverbs 7.25, do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. And you get sucked in by that. Do not stray into her past. Go to Proverbs 15.13. This verse, Proverbs 15.13, a merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. And we can read each other. I can read your heart. Now, it doesn't mean if something bad has happened, you still can't have joy. Because you look in someone's eyes, and maybe their husband or wife, or someone's died in their family, and they're broken. You can sense that, but there's still joy. But literally, what's going on on the inside, most people can't override it on the outside. We just, it's obvious to everyone around us. Proverbs 16, 9. Another place you're talking about your heart. 16.9 says, a man's heart plans his ways. Now you say, well, no, I plan all this in my head. The stuff you're actually going to do probably is coming out of your heart. Because the stuff you think about, a lot of things we think about, we never end up doing. If you let it get into your heart and you make a decision, that's the stuff you end up changing and doing. I believe this is what I'm supposed to do. Then it goes on to say, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So you say, God, as much as possible, these are the plans I've made, but you've got to help me once I go to implement these plans from my heart to direct where I need to go and how this needs to unfold. Go to Proverbs 17, 22. Back to this merry heart thing. A merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. Being around someone who's got a merry heart is like medicine. You have to laugh. You have to be stupid somewhere along the way and get over yourself and lighten up a little bit. And it's medicine for me, but it's also medicine for people that you're around when you are that way. Life is hard and it's so serious all the time. Now you say, well, that's you. That's your personality. You're nuts. You better find an outlet. Because what the enemy does is he is attacking your heart. He is trying to crush us. He's trying to get us under the weight of our life and our stress and our family and our money and all these things. You've got to take a deep breath. You've got to find some outlet or you will have a heart attack. And the parallels, the stresses of our life a lot of times, people say, well, why did you have a heart attack? If you start asking questions about their reality, sometimes literally their life is so crazy, so pressure-filled, it causes literally their heart to break. Keep going with me to Proverbs 19, 21. And again, goes back to this heart thing. There are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. So even if you've got something you believe strongly in, you still have to go and say, God, is this me? Is this just heartburn? What is this? Or is this really of you? And make sure it's of him because that's the stuff that'll stick. Now go to Proverbs 23, 19. And this, I am going to read a few more verses in this one little passage And down in verse 26, Proverbs 23, verse 26. And this is a dad speaking to his son. He says, my son, give me your heart. 
and let your eyes observe my ways. In other words, watch what I'm doing, but give me what you believe, whatever is deep down inside of you is going to affect how you live. And then he goes into this thing. For a harlot is a deep pit, and a seductress is a narrow well. She also lies in wait as for a victim, and increases the unfaithful among men. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Now listen to these questions. You got problems? You got sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has complaints? Who has wounds without cause? These guys I hear about that get drunk and jump over barbed wire fences and wake up the next day, and they're all ripped up. They didn't feel it because they were drunk when it happened. And you go, how did I get hurt? Well, dude, you were drunk and you did this and you did that. Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? Those who linger long at the wine, those who go in search of mixed wine, do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly. Ever been in a restaurant and somebody's got their glass of wine, they're holding it right, the bouquet? You know, you want a bouquet, send your wife flowers. My gosh, leave that mess alone. And they're smelling the wine and swirling it around like, oh, we're so sophisticated. Get you a straw and get it over with, you know. (laughs) You're sipping your wine. It becomes this thing that we get all involved with. You say, well, you're saying we shouldn't drink. If you're an alcoholic, you should not drink. If you're an arsonist, you cannot play with fire. You have to stay as far from fire as you possibly can, or you get hit with these temptations. So the scripture here, and this has been going on for thousands of years, when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly, at the last it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things. Your heart will utter perverse things, stuff that comes out of your heart. I love in some ways drunk people because I find out what they really think about me when they're drunk. What people only under the influence of the Holy Spirit normally will say in truth, drunk people tell you everything that's going on and where you stand with them or anybody else. So I'm not encouraging that. But whatever's down inside that heart comes out. And there's stuff that we regret saying because we're not under control when it happens. Yes, you will be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea or like one who lies at the top of the mast saying, they have struck me, but I was not hurt. They have beaten me, but I did not feel it. When shall I awake that I may seek another drink? And that lifestyle, where did that whole thing start? My son, give me your heart. Watch what I am doing. Don't go that way. Don't buy into that. Don't believe that. It doesn't work. Proverbs 28, 14. Proverbs 28, 14 says this. Happy is the man who is always reverent, but he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. And this one is dangerous. I sit down with people and look them in the eye and I can tell it's gone to concrete. It is over. You go read the story of Abigail, who was Abigail's husband, Nabal. If you go read that, literally his heart went to stone. He got so angry, his heart just literally, and within 10 days, I think it was, he was dead. He had a heart attack. The hatred, the bitterness, the anger that welled up in that man and God took him out. And when you meet, do not cross this line. And the verse in the Bible say, today if you hear his voice, what? Do not harden your what? Your heart. You say, well, I make that decision any day I want to. No, you can't. When the concrete sets, it is too late. Jeremiah 16, 12. And I'm running out of verses. Jeremiah 16, 12. And look what happened in this case. 
Verse 12 says, And you have done worse than your fathers, for behold, each one follows the dictates of his own evil heart so that no one listens to me. You just do whatever's right in your own eyes. Whatever you think you believe is right, you do that. Go over to Jeremiah 17, 9. And I've read this one before, and maybe you've seen this. If you haven't, you ought to underline this. The heart, it's Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And what happens to men and women, when your heart goes, you might as well cut your head off. And you say, well, I met this really cute guy. I have told singles this over and over and over. Some girls say, I met this really nice guy. What is the first question I'll ask you? Is he a Christian? Because you're going to get to a point, and if you let your heart go, you will not care anymore whether he's a Christian. You will fall in love, and you will fall so hard that you will hurt yourself. Because once your heart goes, you might get physically involved with this person, and now there's no way out. And no matter what your friends tell you, even if they're as described, they are screaming at you, you will not hear it because you have decided, I'm going to do this, what is in my heart. And then they get in the situation, and what gets broken? Their heart, because it didn't work, it didn't turn out, it wasn't the right thing to do. The heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Who can know it? You cannot know it. You better keep people around you that can interject some sanity into your life and into the process and not get off by yourself someplace and say, ask these questions. And people say, well, but this guy asked me out and we're trying to be romantic. You know what? Romance is not going to last. Find out if they believe anything. You say, well, somebody finally asked me out and you say we're supposed to get out on a date and at the dinner, you know, I don't want to spoil it by saying, hey, what do you think about Jesus? If he doesn't want to talk about Jesus at dinner, you probably don't want to be married to the guy. And you say, well, but that's not the kind of guy I'm looking for. Then don't come screaming at me saying, why is my marriage so jacked up? You got what you asked for because you believed your way was better than God's way. I'm saying you have to trust God and you have to be so in love with him and such relationship with him that you wouldn't take a step anywhere without getting his permission in the first place. And you have so much accountability around you that your friends, you're going to say, what do you think? And they're going to talk to him and figure out if this is a wise choice or not. Instead of secretly sneaking off with someone because it's exciting and exhilarating and your heart's beating and he's hot and she's hot and, you know, it's going to get so hot, you're going to burn. And if I said, raise your hand if you've been down the road I'm describing, everybody in the room's hands would go up because we've all been there and done stupid things. Matthew 12, 35, a few more and I will be done. Now look how this thing works itself out. Matthew 12, 35 a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure, meaning evil treasure of his heart, brings forth evil things. Whatever is going on in your heart is going to surface. Whatever you believe, that is what you're going to do. So figure out and say, God, help me examine my heart, see what's going on here. Acts 2.37, turn over there, keep going to the right. Acts 2.37 says, now when they heard this, and this is where Peter is preaching and people are hearing the gospel, the truth, and some people can react positively, some negatively. Here they acted positively. I'll go to where they acted negatively in a second. It says, now when they heard this, in other words, what he had presented, they were cut to the heart. 
And what happens to you if your life changes is, it's not just that you hear someone talking or you just see words, your brain absorbs it, you're thinking about it, but it has to drop in and get in another place where you say, now I'm going to do something about that. I think I believe that now. If you're trying to resolve your relationships without Jesus, good luck. All the counseling in the world may get you a little help. You better have God in the middle of it because it is live bullets. And that's what changes your life. Changing your mind is important, but your heart has to change before changing your mind will matter. The Bible does talk about the renewing of your mind. If you don't have a heart that's working, it won't help your brain to be renewed because it won't be renewed and it won't change anything because it's not what you believe. So don't go trying to renew your mind until you've got a new heart. That same verse. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what should we do? In other words, it hit them so hard, so deep, they realized I'm a sinner, I'm lost, I've got to get what Peter's talking about. How do I do that? Now, go to Romans chapter 10, and let me just read you a few verses out of this. Romans chapter 10, and look at verse 5. He's talking about Moses here, and let me just read it and highlight some things. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. So what he's saying is don't go thinking that it's about going and finding God in heaven or going and finding him in some abyss someplace. But what does it say? And this is what he says it says. The word is near you, in your mouth, in your heart. It's on the tip of your tongue. He goes on to say, look what he says. The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Because once you start speaking that truth, it's hard to shut you up. And what happens to some people is they believe in their heart and they never tell anybody. You say, well, does that mean they're not saved? I'm not going that far, but I'm telling you, if you want to change the world, sooner or later, you will speak it with your mouth. Verse 11, for the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then I've already mentioned this last verse in Hebrews 3, verse 12. He says this, Beware, brethren, speaking to Christians, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Now, what is he warning? He is warning Christians to what? Beware, lest you have an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another, and look at the word, daily. While it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. We'll get back to Richard in a moment to close out today's talk. But first, I want to share something about our program. Our mission is actually very simple, to take the planet. So it's our prayer that these daily talks from Richard aren't something you only hear and enjoy, but that they inspire you to share with others. Together, we can do this. The message of the gospel is something everyone needs to hear, and that's why it's such a priority to us. So join us in this important mission. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD to say you're in. 
Or you can get on board with us through our website, richardellistalks.com. Well, here's Richard with some closing thoughts for us. If I took three weeks off and did not read my Bible, did not preach, didn't have anything to do with you all, I would be such a mess in three weeks. You cannot imagine. You say, well, that shouldn't be. Yes, it should be. We have to stay connected. If the vine doesn't stay connected, the branch and the vine hooked up where it's flowing and there's life, you're in trouble. And people say, well, I just go to church every once in a while. And what do you think I'm going to say? And how is that working out for you? And by the time you come dragging your butt back in here, you're a mess. And it's not about once a week. You've got to get to the place where you've got some daily contact, daily connection where somebody is in your life. How are you doing? And if you're starting to stray, they wake you up and get you back in your lane. Heart attack. Well, I didn't read you this definition of a heart attack, but here's what I found in a definition. It involves the insufficient blood supply to the heart. Now you say, well, I don't even know all this religious stuff you're talking about. Maybe what your heart needs is a little blood. And I highly recommend if you're going to get a blood donor to get Jesus and apply his blood to that old heart of yours that's under attack. Because that's the kind of stuff that can change your life. Thanks for tuning in today to Richard Ellis Talks. With the busy schedule everyone has these days, it means the world to us that you would take this time to listen. Let us know how it has touched your heart by calling us at 855-6-RICHARD. You can also connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. One last thing, Richard Ellis Talks is a daily program, but also has daily costs. And being a listener-supported program means we rely on the financial partnership of our listeners, which means you. Maybe you've given to this ministry before or have waited for the right time. Well, we believe that these talks with Richard are making a difference in your life. So this is how you can make a difference to ours. You can contribute by giving us a call at 855-6-RICHARD or at our website, richardellistalks.com. Thank you for your very generous gifts. It truly means so much to us. God bless and thanks for listening to Richard Ellis Talks. Richard Ellis Talks.